Good evening, and welcome to the Rodman Steele Studio Podcast. This is Rodman Steele, and I'm so happy that you're joining us today. We got some really cool stuff coming today that I don't even know about, because Emily's coming with all the content today. Emily, say hi. By Hello. the way, this is Emily. Hello, everybody. This is Emily Beatty McMullen with Rodman Steele Studios. So excited to be here. Today, we are starting a new series. This one is going to be a primer. Okay. On on kind of like the history of music education in the last. Oh, world. great! That's what yeah. we we're going to talk about. I got awesome. you know, Ronman said something in an honors workshop a, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago that made me think about, oh, you know, maybe we should do a series on like how music education has changed in the last, you know, well, twenty five hundred years, but especially the last like three hundred years. Cool. Okay. So awesome. I thought we could just kind of do a bird's eye view yes. of all of this stuff. Yes. The, the point I was making in the honors, which Emily will quickly, quickly tell you that I, I was exaggerating in <laughs> some of these facts, but the point I was making to, to my honors students uh, was the point that through the majority of human history, through the majority of humans' music-making history, the art of music-making has been a passed-down system of transfer of knowledge yeah you would say. yeah and the I, word I, 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 i'm trying to be as safe as i can with my words yes <laughs> well and the word you used was apprenticeship Appre- and the word I, I, yeah. I did use was apprenticeship. and and that that word was kind of the one that sort of caught my yeah. caught my attention because that is true but it's also not true in a lot of situations okay. and i thought it could be something interesting to sort of yes. dive into both for you and also for yes. the listener the, so. I, I guess the big point I wanted to make was what to them was that mm-hmm. music education is not music school, mm-hmm. right? Music music education is just experiences in which you mm-hmm. experience grow, growth in, mm-hmm. the, in the musical sense. And we have these music schools that we know of nowadays that are designed to make those experiences, mm-hmm. but these experiences have been happening forever. Mm-hmm. Can I safely say that? Yeah. Well, yeah. So yeah, I think you're gonna learn some some new things today that okay. you didn't realize okay. before. But that's okay, okay because because I, I think you're not, you're not wrong on the whole. I know. But anyway, I know. so I don't when know. we're when we're talking about music education, usually when you hear that term thrown around, people are talking about music in public schools in the United States. Mm-hmm. That's usually what people are saying. If you go to like a scholarly database and you search the keywords music education. The papers you get are going to be about United States, no earlier than the 20th century, classroom music education. Mm -hmm. You're not going to find many papers that talk about private lessons under the term music education. Okay. Um, Which to me seems a little bit kind of odd because I think that most people that become professional musicians have had some level of private instruction. Even people who are like super virtuoso and taught themselves how to play, usually they've had at least one lesson. Yeah formally or informally. So I think it's kind of also, interesting. Also, too, if we're thinking about the classical tradition, like how much music from the 1800s does a classical musician play? A good a amount. A lot, yeah. Right? A fair amount, yeah. Th- 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 there is a pretty awesome amount of music that came out in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Yes. But we don't have that much of a view as to the education of it. Yeah. Or at least it's not the majority of these paper subjects. It doesn't get talked about a lot. It doesn't get talked about a lot. And especially in the United States, I think it's kind of interesting that when it comes to classroom education, 
we don't have a great idea of where we came from with this. Cool. Why do why do we do things this way in the United States now? Yeah, you know, and and what how is that different than like other Western countries? And obviously, how is that different than countries that don't even play Western music at all? You I'm know, curious. like yeah. that sort of thing. So those are the kinds of things we're going to be diving into with this series. So. But to start with today, I thought it would be nice to go kind of in chronological order. So okay. today we're going to be talking about some of the earliest music education that we have written records for in the West. And I'm, I'm heavily caveat- caveating that with in the West because there are many other cultures that have very ancient musical education traditions that are attested in literature that are the same age or older, like for for instance, India, the Middle East. We're going to talk a little bit about China today, but there's way more in that rabbit hole than what we're getting to today. For the purposes of this series, we're just going to talk about in the West. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm. That is not because there aren't equally robust traditions and and writings about other places. I'm just personally a Western musician, and I play mostly Western music. And I think that our students play mostly Western yeah. music. So let's focus. So that's why we're focusing. Yeah. So. To start with, let's talk about ancient Greece. Okay. And I think ancient Greece is a really interesting starting point because we don't have a lot of written music from this time. We have like one piece of written music that's like a little bit of music that was carved on a tombstone for a guy. It's called the Epitaph of Sekulos, which Hmm. if you took a university music history class or a medieval music class, you probably heard about it. Um, People have come up with their renditions of it, it sounds a little bit odd. It's basically like a eulogy for this person that died. I I don't want to start a tangent, but Mm -hmm. like, how was it notated? It's notated with Greek letters. So Greek musical notation had to, it used a system of letters to represent different pitches. Okay. Because Greek music typically was unison. So Mm. there Mm. typically was going to be a singer and then they were accompanied by maybe one or two instruments. Or, and if singers, choirs were super common, especially for school events, which we'll get into, but choirs typically sang in unison. They did not sing parts. Gotcha. Um, Unison, as in the same note. Let's just clarify. Mm -hmm. I always like to clarify. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Versus people singing two notes at the same time. Versus people singing a quarter or two separate notes notes at the same time. time. Yep, exactly. Just to clarify to the listener. Exactly. So I think that ancient Greece is a really interesting place to start because. There's a lot of things in common with modern music education in ancient Greece, and there's a lot of things in common with modern private lessons in ancient Greece. Okay. So there's there's a lot of sort of like overlap. So nowadays we kind of think of music education in school, classroom education, as being something that's totally separate and totally different than private lessons, where you're learning one-on-one with an instructor. But in ancient Greece, this line was really blurry, not just in music, but for every academic subject, Mm -hmm. because the concept of public education didn't exist, Mm. right? So there was still such a thing as like a school where many students were all together in the same room learning from the same teacher, but there were also students that had private tutor come to their house. There were also students that had more of like an apprenticeship type of situation where they were following someone around, learning mm-hmm. from them, doing their trade behind mm-hmm. them. Um, and so music fell into those first two categories a lot of the time. So just as sort of a background, music in ancient Greece was a way more, it was considered way more elevated than it is nowadays. So when music we talk- Music in ancient Greece was considered at the time mm-hmm. more 
much more important and elevated than music to now. Them. To in ancient Greek society and especially philosophy. Okay. Music is considered like one of the most important things for a person to know about. Period. Mm. So, for instance, the sort of Socratic idea of the educated member of society or really just any person was that being rich is good and the reason that being rich is good is because if you're rich then you can balance your life personally uh, perfectly between the physical realm and the spiritual and the intellectual realm so what this means practically is like if you have a lot of money you can spend exactly the amount of time you want to and you need to on intellectual pursuits and physical pursuits like well, athletics that makes sense and you know i i Th think th that th that's how human history has gone right what, like once we got sedentary societies and people were able to grow a surplus of food mm -hmm. and then people had time time in the day to not worry about mm -hmm. making food yes Yes, and I think, but the thing that I think is... here we are now. Yeah, right? You know? Here we are now doing a podcast. But here I am now <laughs> trying so hard in my life to find time to eat yeah. and not spend too much time dilly-dallying. Um, I know, right? it's full circle. Um, but so, so I think that this, this idea kind of comes intuitively to us, but the interesting thing to me about it is that the ideal life to them wasn't the freedom to do nothing. And we often think of that as like the 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 ideal of being rich, right? If we are, if we're rich, we want to be able to just like not sit around and, and not do anything mm -hmm. really, or spend our time doing leisure activities that require no th brain power or are just fun. It's yeah. kind of like hedonism, basically. But the Greek idea of being wealthy and being a balanced person wasn't necessarily tied up with pleasure the same way that our idea of it is now. And, and that's kind of where music comes into the picture because the idea, we've got the physical and we've got the spiritual and intellectual. For them, there was no distinction whatsoever between something spiritual and something intellectual. If it involves your mind, it's in that realm of like okay. the metaphysical whatever. Because yeah. it's a dichotomy between body and mind, basically. Yeah. Okay. And so the idea of philosophy and music are they're they're basically in the same sphere of thought that as if you're thinking really hard then if, if you are an intelligent person you will be interested in music period quintilian who was a famous roman philosopher in the first century he basically said as much in his he reported a lot about music education and that kind of thing and he said basically music is really important for education because anybody that's smart cares about it if you don't care about music, you're dumb, basically. he ha They had that strong a view of it. So we've all heard of the uh, hmm. Greek philosopher Pythagoras, yeah. mostly because we had to do trig in high school. Yeah. But Pythagoras actually had a lot of philosophical things to say about the universe, mm. and that's kind of what resulted in his theorem about triangles, and a lot of his philosophy that concerned music, because he's actually a pretty important philosopher for music as okay. well. So Pythagoras, is his essential idea was triangle that man. triangle man. Yeah. And the, the thing with the triangle theorem is that certain properties of the universe are true all the time. 
And that that has applications in math, but it also has applications oh. in music and the laws of physics. It's so fun when you start noticing yeah. your stuff in music. Yeah. With intervals. Exactly. Well, and that was Pythagoras' big thing mm. was he realized that sound frequency and the actual physical vibration mm. of an object has an effect on the way we understand the music that is made by that object. And we, we can dive down that rabbit hole another time because talking about Pythagoras and his specific theories about tuning and music, that could be a whole podcast series by itself. Yeah. Well, say, say that again. Mm-hmm. So when we, when we listen to music. Yeah, his idea. When we listen to music, we hear, what we're hearing is the vibration of an object. And he's saying that, that there are un- unique Uniquities or unique aspects to different sounds. Yes, but the the important thing that he realized was that there's mathematical relationships uh, between different sounds that we octaves, hear as humans. Octaves, octaves fifths, fifths, different intervals, and also other kinds of sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's cool. way more complicated than that, but just bird's eye cool. view. Cool, and, and, and we very much know that in very deep yes, depth. Yes, yes, because now we have really sophisticated... Yeah electronic instruments that can measure these vibrations but Pythagoras in the I think 6th century BC this was part of his philosophy because philosophy and science were like the same thing to Greeks Mm -hmm. so his idea of acoustics sound waves this is part of philosophy to him and so he had other like more practical implications about philosophy and music which were that music is the key to unlocking the secrets of the universe because since music behaves in such a mathematically consistent yeah. way, okay. it's a picture of how the universe behaves in a mathematically consistent way, which we now describe using the laws of physics. And that's that's true. The laws of physics have huge effects on how music works, how we perceive it. Mm. And so Pythagoras, and then also just Greeks more generally, they viewed music as an essential subject for study because if you understand music, you understand how the universe works. That is bold. Which is pretty fascinating because that's bold. totally different than and, how we and, think about and music And I now. get it. Mm-hmm. I get. I get what he's saying. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not saying I don't agree. I'm just saying it like like that takes someone, from my point of view, I'm saying that for someone to even kind of comprehend what he means mm-hmm. by that, you got to know a lot about music. Yes. So I I, mm-hmm. I I can understand what he means in the sense you know how we know. We're at the point with quantum physics where we recognize the beauty Mm -hmm. that if a few variables in this universe were off by millions of millions of millions of millions of a degree Mm -hmm. in some shape or form, it would throw the whole quantum table up for a mess. Mm -hmm. And and music is... Music is similar Mm -hmm. in the sense that like nature has put all these incredible patterns mm-hmm. in front of us. Yep. And if any one thing didn't work the way it would, m- music would... It would know, exist w- in a totally different in form. In a totally different Yeah, form. we would appreciate in it in a form. totally different form. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty fascinating that even 2,500 years ago, this was the way people were thinking about yeah, music. Very systematically, very true. mathematically. Very true. Um, yeah, and it's pretty interesting. So let's get into Plato. So okay. Plato wrote a lot about his ideal world, what the ideal society looks like. Um, His Republic is the most famous of his writings, which is his treatise on what the the ideal society looks like and how the ideal people in that society behave. And in his writings on this Republic, 
he talks about how the two most important aspects to educating young people are music and gymnastics. Wow. Because well, gymnastics is training PE, your physical yeah. body <laughs> and music is training your mind. And and he doesn't mention any other intellectual pursuit as as part, what what yeah. part of education should be. It's fascinating. Music is the one thing that he thinks that is really important for young people to study when they're getting educated. And the reason for that is that he specifically says because music help learning learning music helps us determine helps us determine what's beautiful and what's not beautiful. And if we can determine what's beautiful and what's not beautiful, then we can determine what's morally good and what's morally bad. <laughs> so if we understand music, then we will be good people because we'll understand what good morals are. That's his philosophy. Right. And he takes it so far as to say that if a society gets to the point that people don't know what good art is, they don't know what beauty is, they will inevitably be morally bad people. The society as a whole will be morally corrupt, and it won't be redeemable, which is kind of a bold claim. Yeah, and, you I, know, I, it's, it's so interesting how people thought back then. Yeah, and 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 I just I think it's really fascinating that yeah. music is the thing that he's viewing as mm -hmm. like this is what we should yeah. use to figure out what's good and yeah. evil. Yeah, I, 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 this makes me think of two interesting correlations mm -hmm. that that could be studied. I remember being a kid mm -hmm. in elementary school, and you know, parents being like. Kids that take piano end up being smarter kids. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, but I was in elementary school, and the kids that took piano were the smartest kids mm -hmm. in, in the yeah. classes. Well, stuff. there's been lots of studies recently that show correlations between musical experience and like higher test scores. Yeah, and I, I would think so because yeah. uh, another thing that we that we know about music is that music is the most intense brain activity that we have mm -hmm. because it's it's mathematical. Like think about playing a violin. It's mathematical because mm -hmm. you're thinking about timing. You're mm -hmm. thinking about a multitude of things mm -hmm. mathematically. And you it, have to respond in real time to different stimuli. It, 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 yeah. So it's physical. Mm -hmm. It's nervous system. It yeah. is muscles. Yeah. It is stuff like that. And then it's artistic. Mm -hmm. It's the whole artistic side of the, exactly. side of the brain, telling a story, performing. Exactly. It's the most active thing you can mm -hmm. do with your brain. So yeah. I, I, yeah, you know, if, if that's what he was thinking of, mm -hmm. Plato. I got some Plato. Yeah. Oh, he got some Plato. Good. That's why I, I like it. Grabbed it. It's a good pun. That is insightful. Yeah. Right. Now the Plato's Plato's Republic. I'm I'm not here to say that it is actually describing a really ideal society because yeah. there are a lot of issues with Plato's Republic and the way that he you know decides what is good and evil, and I'm not it's it's it. definitely riddled with things that you would consider problematic in the 21st yeah. century. But it's interesting as a sort of litmus test for what people thought you know what prevailing thought toward music was in you know, fifth century BC yeah. Greece. Yeah. Um, and here's where I'm gonna interject a little bit. There are actually a lot of parallels between um, Plato's ideas about music and society and a lot of Confucian Chinese philosophy. Cool. Um, especially, actually philosophy from the same time period about Seven to two hundred. Plato and Confucius, BC. you're saying? Uh, not Confucius specifically, but oh. philosophy that would later become Confucianism, because gotcha. Confucius didn't live till later. But gotcha. a lot of Chinese philosophy concerning how good music creates a good society and creates good morals that was mirrored yeah. in Chinese philosophy. So that's not just a Western idea. At this time, it's also happening in that's the a East. A weird idea, man. Yeah. 
It's it's fascinating. It's you know, idea. think about it and think about the because, problems. Because you with know, it. I, you can see the 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 moms using that as a good. Well, you know, what, what, what we've we've had this argument so much in the 21st century of like, does exposing the youth to violence and mm-hmm. blah blah yes. blah affect their behavior? Mm-hmm. And we've all and lived. Plato would say absolutely yes. Yes. If you give people bad music, they'll become bad people. And and data would say a little bit more complex than that. Yes. A lot in more complex least. than in that. The, in the least. A lot more yeah. complex than that. So, but, yeah. Yeah, because I, I would think, you know, there, there's some music nowadays that Plato might think is a little bit Well, I, th- I don't think he'd like any of our music. I don't think he'd because like Because all a, of it has parts, it. and he was big and on all of it unison. Has what? Parts. Oh, all of it has parts. he was big on unison. Yeah. His, it's kind of funny, looking back on it 2,500 years later, some of Plato's distinctions between what is good music and what's bad music seem kind of arbitrary to us. You look like unison versus... He, yeah, well, and he, he had the idea that certain keys or really? ways of playing, because they didn't really have the same conception of key in ancient no, Greece that we do, yeah. but their idea of, like, tonality... You know, they, there are yeah. some that are, according to Plato, super great and great for society, and then there's some where if you just play it, like, the walls will come tumbling down that's, and people that's... will become evil. And it's kind of crazy to think about. It, well, it seems arbitrary to us now. Yeah. And, that's you know, so interesting. It makes you wonder that, in another 2,000 years, yeah. what of our music will people be yeah. like, well, this is so arbitrary that you think that this kind of music is going to make people violent. Yes. What the heck? You know, but we live in this culture, so mm-hmm. to us, we understand the association. But anyway, so that's Plato. Getting on to Aristotle. Aristotle, he talked a lot about society as well, but he was more about specifics of how things should be run in an ideal world. Okay. Plato was more like, philosophically, this is how things should go in the ideal society. Very broad idea. Mm-hmm. Pl- Aristotle got more into minutia. Um, but h- on, when he talks about music education, he agrees with Plato that music and gymnastics are the two, two, of, two of the most important, and he adds to them reading and writing. Okay. <laughs> he adds reading and writing to music and literacy. gymnastics because he's big on, on you know, details. I'm pretty big on literacy. Yeah, but I think it's funny yeah. that, like, Plato didn't, he was like, reading and writing, nah, if you know music, you're good. Kind of fascinating. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and another interesting thing about Aristotle and education, he actually... You know, I, he was, uh, I believe, third or fourth century BC. He advocated for what we would now describe as public schools and standardized curriculum across public schools. So the idea that the state is paying for students to be educated and, and that there's a, a standard that yeah. ch- teachers have to uphold in in curriculum. Aristotle had that idea. You know, in, in like 300 BC, and you know that didn't even re- that didn't even start to happen politically until like, you know, the 19th century. Yeah. So kind of fascinating that he had that idea that idea such a long time ago, and no one implemented it <laughs> until wow. much later. But it's proof that, you know, Enlightenment thought was very influenced by yeah. classical philosophy. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, that's huh. kind of a, that's kind of an interesting interesting yeah. aside about Aristotle. So. That's sort of philosophy, ancient Greece, music, education. How about practicality? What did music education in Greece actually look like? How did people learn music? And because music was such an important part of Greek philosophy and Greek society, Greek, uh, Greek schools included music education as part of a basic curriculum for people to be educated. Okay. It's up there with math, grammar, rhetoric, all of, the, mm-hmm. all of these sorts of things. You, it, it would be part of your 
you know your core your edge your, your core. core it's a core yeah, subject a yeah core that's subject. a that's a good word it's a core subject and but but it's interesting it's interesting to say that though because the idea of greek schooling is super diverse because there like i said earlier there were many students especially those who were sort of middle class or poorer who were educated in what we would now describe as a private school setting where their parents had enough money to mm. pay to send them to school and a teacher taught them all in one room and this is maybe more akin to like the one room schoolhouse yeah. of the you know, 19th century American America. frontier yeah, yeah, yeah. where you have one teacher who's teaching everybody in the classroom at the same time and they're they're on a lot of different levels yeah. you know we have yeah. like little kids all the way up through like yeah. high school basically like in holes like in holes <laughs> kind of yeah basically and and so th that was part of Greek schooling. Now, there were also people who, and, and also these schools, they could be in a building, they could be outside, yeah. they could be, you know, they could be every day, they could be once a week, mm -hmm. they could be, it could be all over the place because there's no standardization no at standard, all. It's yeah. just what that teacher does yeah. because the, there's no such thing as like administration. It's just, I'm the teacher, I'm starting a school, pay me money and I'll teach your mm -hmm. kids. There were also teachers that did like private tutoring where they would go to a student's house and teach them all of the same stuff. Mm. So that is quite akin to what we would now consider like a private lesson in music, yeah. right? Because it's one teacher and one student and they're doing the lesson one-on-one. -on -one. Do, do, do we offer anything like that? Like any classroom stuff? Or private lesson stuff? Oh yeah, we do we do private lessons. Oh, how, yeah. how, 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 how would I get involved with? Well, private you know, lessons? if you contact Robinson Studios, you can go to uh, our website, and if you sign up for lessons, you can actually get wow. a first one for free. Amazing. Yeah. And, and do and do we have classroom activities as well? We do our honors wow. program. We we make a lot of music together. That. And That's cool. Yeah, we do. That's cool. This podcast series is, is awesome. some pretty yeah. is music education, I would say. Cool. So, yeah. Well, so thank you for listening, guys. That was <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. But but that's I think that this is really fascinating because when you think about it, you have kids getting basically the same knowledge in two different settings, right? You have the private lesson happening at home. And you also have the communal setting of the schoolhouse where the teacher is communicating the same knowledge because it may even be the same teacher that's going to do yeah. the private lessons. And nowadays we would consider, oh, classroom education, totally different than a private lesson. Yeah. But back then in Greece, it's really more the similar. Same. They're yeah. very, that's a very similar type of thing. And it, it's made even more similar by the emphasis that Greeks had on education as tradition. So the classical Greek educators, and really honestly, Western education until like the democratic era, ha was very focused on transmitting knowledge to keep us in contact with the past. We're giving each other knowledge. Latin. Because we're teaching ourselves yeah. about our own history, right? And all knowledge is transmitted to connect us to the past. Uh, I was always taught that the in Shakespeare schooling, the only subject they studied was Latin and rhetoric. I'm not sure about that. I would be surprised if that was the case, but 
I'm sure that that was an that was Latin rhetoric classics were an essential part of curriculum Mm -hmm. in the Middle Ages and Renaissance because because of this idea that education and transmission of knowledge is about keeping the line of knowledge going from you know generations Mm -hmm. past Mm -hmm. that that idea is almost completely gone from modern classroom education and especially university education that idea in university is totally out the window except if you are studying something like the liberal arts or classics Mm. as your degree but if you go to if you go to the university to study like engineering or communication the idea that any of your professors are going to say to you like it's important that you learn it this way because we've been doing it this way for thousands of years no one's ever going to say that to you it's It's not important here's what the boomers Mm -hmm. did doing the opposite but in private lessons the idea of tradition in music is absolutely a thing, right? right? Yeah. When when you you know when I teach someone how to improvise, or if I'm teaching them how to play a scale, the reason we're doing it, and and a big part of the reason I'm choosing that approach is because that's how people have learned to play piano for yeah. a long time, yeah. and part of that is teaching my students about great piano composers and great piano performers that they need to know about mm-hmm. to be a well-rounded musician. To understand. So the yeah. idea of the link to the past is maintained in modern private lessons but not in modern classrooms. And in Greek classrooms it absolutely was there mm-hmm. and it was there in private lessons. So the idea of the apprenticeship and the idea of getting knowledge from a master with that idea of tradition, you could argue that the even the Greek classrooms had that emphasis so they were a kind of apprenticeship. Mm. So you could say that even though it is a classroom, and the idea of the classroom has been around since 2,500 years ago, the it, emphasis of an yeah. apprenticeship is there. Yeah. Whereas the emphasis of an apprenticeship in a modern classroom, you know, isn't or, isn't really. Or, or even like a, so, like a modern classroom today, mm-hmm. you have a teacher who's been given a curriculum mm-hmm. by the state of Texas, or has created it. It depends on the subject. But for music, for music in public schools, definitely. There's, they're given objectives, even if they aren't. Yeah, given they're given objectives, right? Yes, you know, exactly. Th- th- but, but back in the day, it was up to the discretion of one person. It was up to right? whoever. But it's actually fascinating, even though there was no like you know regulatory agency that was screening teachers. Yeah. There was still remarkable consistency between what material teachers considered yeah. appropriate for what grade or age level. Interesting. And the reason for that was because people took their responsibility as teachers very seriously because they had this idea uh, of like, I'm doing this as a link to the past. Don't you miss that? Don't you miss that when people teachers? thought teachers were important? Uh, well, you're talking to someone that taught universities, so yes, I do miss that. Yeah, <laughs> but anyways, that's a rabbit hole we don't need to get down. No. Um, so but, yeah, I think I think that's a fascinating yeah. idea that Greek Greek music education, care it, it was both like modern classrooms and like modern private yeah. lessons. The dichotomy, it doesn't exist. I and I think, to me, it's interesting to think about the modern classroom as different from the Greek classroom when it comes to music. Mm. Because the, the main emphasis of modern music classrooms, at least in the state of Texas for high school and middle school, is ensemble performance. That's the only thing that you will study in a high school classroom for for music unless you happen to go to an arts school that might have like a class piano class or an AP music theory class Mm -hmm. the main emphasis of music programs in high school and middle school is 
ensemble performance, band, choir, orchestra. That's it. That's it. But the idea of music education generally and in the classroom for a Greek student would have been music philosophy. A lot more of what we would describe as classroom learning and music history, music theory. These things were just as important, if not more important, than actually performing music. Which I'm sure... That's more like what private lessons are like. It's more, it's, well, it's interesting because it's, it's more similar to what private lessons were like, but it's actually, I think, more of a parallel with what we would now consider a conservatory or a, a university, a yeah. university yeah, music totally. education. I, I, I'm mm-hmm. just thinking that, you know, with my students, it's not just that I'm sitting down with a student for X amount of time mm-hmm. and we're playing an instrument. Yeah. We're sitting down and we're learning, mm-hmm. you know. We're yeah. playing guitar. We're studying this style mm-hmm. of guitar. Where did it come from? Yeah. You're uh, using the instrument to teach them about both the, the instrument, history. but also music generally. And, and yes. how the theory applies. Yes. And, and all that. It's mm-hmm. not just sitting there and being like, violin one, you play this line. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're it's not just tune. rote. Yeah. Yep. It's not just rote. Yeah. Rote. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, I cello that's definitely school. more like, I, uh, I played French horn in middle school. Yeah. I, I was French really horn is, man. But that's one of the hardest instruments to play. You know, it's funny. I was really good at French horn in sixth grade. I was like, yeah. I was first chair every time. But then when I got to seventh grade, I didn't care about it and yeah. stopped practicing. Did you get and I was like last every time. I did. I had at, braces. At, at, at that time? I had braces for like 18 months in seventh grade. And yeah. oh boy, did it that'll destroy it. my mouth to play French horn. That, yeah, that'll do it. I, I played it. saxophone for a little bit and mm-hmm. I was good at it. And then there's just like, stop. Yeah. Just braces. No. I took up trumpet in college. For fun, really? yeah, I played that's in the awesome. wind ensemble what? one semester. Oh, that's awesome. fun. Definitely. I wasn't good at that either, but cool. so we're, we're gonna hop into, I guess, Renaissance and classical. Yeah. Next so time? next, so next week we're gonna talk about the idea of the liberal arts and music in like up to the Renaissance and Middle Ages. We're gonna talk about that. Up, up to the Renaissance mm-hmm. and Middle Ages. Now, which yeah. one of those came first? Middle Ages. Okay. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just double checking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just from the order we said. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you, Emily. This is awesome. This is going to be a cool series. Yeah. Uh, to recap, we, we just what the whole series will be based upon what is music education. It was spurred yeah. on by something I said to my honors class um, at some point. Mm-hmm. At some point. Yeah. And um, we're going off today. We reviewed Greek. You mm-hmm. know, and I, and when you said Greek at the beginning, I was like, how much time are we going to spend on this? Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. We learned a lot. Yeah. That that was very insightful. I think one of the most coolest things was thinking that, that Aristotle um, was thought about the whole public education system mm-hmm. where yep. you, you were taxed and the public Your you taxes know, the, the, pay the, for people the, to the teach the state, your kids. The state yep. had a curriculum and stuff like yep. that, and that wasn't implemented until the 1800s or late 1800s yeah. or something like that. Pretty fascinating. We'll find out. Cool. Awesome. Yep. Okay. Until next time, engage. Thank you, Emily. Thank you.